is Heather Jackson, and you are listening to the Unstability Podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts, Odie Spinelli and Helena St. Tara. Okay. Hi, this is Unstability Podcast. Um, this is one of your co- co-hosts, Heather, and I'm here with Helen Odie. Yo, and I'll have them hey. introduce themselves in a minute. <laughs> um... <laughs> So I'm a licensed mental health counselor in both Rhode Island and New York. I'm based out of Brooklyn, kind of traveling around right now. Um, I make zines. And I have for a couple decades on like eating disorder recovery treatment, motherhood, mental health, anarchism, so on. You can find them at Heather's Zines on Instagram. And you two can go next. Um, <laughs> what's up, everyone? I'm Helena, um, well-known menace to society, um memer artist (laughs) digital footprint haver that all all of the things um yeah you probably see me in the comment section arguing with people so (laughs) (laughs) what's up everyone um i'm odie um resident trans queer living in long-term sobriety um and i make memes too and uh zines and harm reductionist all that stuff i'm not very uh eloquent today so we will just move on (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) cool thank you um so today we're going to talk about capitalism and mental health Lots of things to do. <laughs> yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, so it was funny. I'm going to come into this as like a therapist and then also my own personal experience because I've definitely been fucked over by capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go into that a little bit more. Um, I did put a survey on Instagram a couple times, and I know that's anecdotal, whatever, <laughs> but... Um, most people, I think one person said it didn't impact their mental health and I was pretty confused and I asked why, but nobody, that person didn't tell me why and nobody else did. So they likely haven't made the connections. (laughs) Maybe they are, uh, the secret reader. (laughs) Like they just figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like almost every time I do a poll, there's always somebody who has like, uh, you know, clicks the answer. That's like, whoa, you know, and there's always multiple people that uh, are in my message request. Like, oh, my God, my finger slipped. I do not do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I've definitely done that. Yeah. Too, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, sorry, I was actually doing lines off my phone. And I <laughs> <laughs> because capitalism has wrecked my mental yeah. health. And I accidentally clicked the wrong button. Just like I don't know what I was doing. Just come back over here. <laughs> I was on three work calls. I was, <laughs> it was just bad. Instagram opened. I I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I was requesting my weekly unemployment. And <laughs> don't know what oh, happened. Oh God! Not your claimant report. <laughs> yeah. God. That's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I have. Yeah, no, I. Uh, ugh, I don't know. I guess to kind of. I mean, go into it a little, I, you know, I find it so hard to, so, okay. So I've been in therapy for most of the pandemic and like, Oh, I thought you were going to say for most of my well, life. I was like, same. <laughs> on and off before. I was going to say, I, I, wish. I, I, wish I literally, I, was. I wasn't fortunate enough to have access to therapy when I was younger. And I really, I wasn't fortunate for it, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really wish that I did um, for, I tried, you know, and it's not that I didn't want it. Like I, I had like um, in high school, I used to go see a school counselor because my parents weren't going to like take me to anyone. And I didn't know how to talk to them about any of that stuff, you know, but that was like a free service. But also she was extremely limited in what she could do and what she was allowed to like mm-hmm. keep from them and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. you know, kind of you know, trigger warning, but I was self-harming at the time and like all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was mm-hmm. so ridiculous. And when I finally was taken to a licensed um, specialist outside of my school, it was like a psychiatrist. And I think there's for a while, like there was a lot of confusion, especially among older generations about what the difference is, you know, and this person sat down with me with my parents in the room for like 20 minutes, if that, and like, 
heard like gave me a questionnaire and then was like oh you have this this and this like diagnosed me like super quick and like prescribed like three different medications and gave you pill samples likely because that's they did it at the time which i'm really grateful for like i wasn't i didn't and i told my parents like look i don't really want to take pills like i just you know this was before my drug era but (laughs) i i was like i don't want to take pills like i just want to talk to somebody you know because no one fucking listens to me and they were like, yeah, that was ridiculous. And I was like, yeah. And then they were like, we're not doing that again. And I was like, wait, like, you know, and then it would be like another six or seven years before I actually saw any kind of mental health, uh, you know, treatment specialist. And that wasn't until I went to rehab, like inpatient and stuff. And it just was like part of the program there. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I should. I am depressed and, (laughs) you know, all this other stuff too. So like, yeah, I guess let's talk about that. But I don't know. I just, it's crazy how much um, accessibility, not just in terms of like the affordability of it, but it's like the education aspect of it that was just non-existent for, you know, however fucking long (laughs) before this like i don't know it just wasn't there and i feel like that's all like such byproducts of capitalism and and things like i don't know yeah i didn't go to therapy until i was like 24 and it was in minneapolis after my kid's dad and i broke up and i was really feeling it but i was that that was like the surface level of like all the fucked up shit i didn't realize i had experienced and that dude was just telling me like oh it sounds like situational depression (laughs) well i was like you know living off of no money and considering like sex work and like all this shit just to pay for food for my kid and i yeah exactly well see (laughs) and so what i say you know i've been accessing stuff my whole life i haven't been accessing it I was put on probation when I was 12 and I was sentenced to live in like court ordered three month mental health facilities and stuff like that. Cause it was that or go to a boot camp for six months. Oh my God. And so my public defender would be like, say you need mental health treatment. You know what I mean? And so like I was institutionalized. So it wasn't like a privilege thing. It was like a holy fuck you're institutionalized yeah. thing. Um, but I wasn't actually getting good care. I'd have therapists I wouldn't, I'd be afraid to open up to and psychiatrists that were diagnosing me with bipolar because it couldn't be the fact that you're actively being traumatized by your family system (laughs) and the fact that you grew up in poverty and the fact that you're literally homeless and like all these other things. That's not what's going on here. You're not actively experiencing trauma and poverty and all these things. And what my parents were putting me through they were poor too. And they had experienced a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and stuff too. And so it was just these cycles of poverty and trauma playing out again. And I'm a child, you know, stuck in this cycle and none of these professionals in the, you know, late nineties were able to look at that and be like, Oh, you're literally in a bad situation and you just need help. Mm -hmm. Instead it was, you must have bipolar little 12 year old and let's put you on lithium and you have to get labs checked. And if it's not in your blood, you're in trouble and you have to go to court for not being on your meds. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's insane. (laughs) It's so crazy. And I, I feel like I, my personal experience is like a lot of mental health professionals that I've had over the years, like particularly noticing like the level of, quality of care based on income right like if i go to some state funded place or like something that's just accessible through my insurance like there's just they almost like just refuse not refuse to talk about it outright but it's just like never comes up and i feel like it's like such a miss to like have that not be like part of every conversation it's like the context and within which we all live you know and i know there's like all these like studies out now about like how depressed (laughs) like the so-called like first world countries are and like all the workers and stuff like that and it's just like getting seen as more of like a social epidemic or something and it's just kind of like I don't know it's crazy that this feels like something that's only been recent um I noticed the better quality like the therapist I have now um is very like plugged in and stuff and so like I don't know but I I find most of my therapy sessions it just circles back to like finances and things it's like that's like so like you know I, I don't know it's just like such a pervasive reason that like I've experienced any I mean because I've done years of therapy and like all this work particularly like now like I have like CPTSD and stuff and like done all this work through that and um 
at the end of the day, it's like, this is still, this is it. <laughs> like, this is the one thing you can't get a grasp on, no matter how hard you, well, I won't say how hard you try, but it's just like the cards aren't always in your favor. And it's just like, how, how do people just avoid talking about this, you know? Yeah, like, even if I go back to that first therapist I had, like, I was like, you know, I got pregnant as a teenager and was poor and like that didn't even like register with him at all. Like, like how, yeah, it's like, it's, how do you? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. So like, let's talk about how Heather, most providers don't have a background like you. Most providers don't have the ex- lived experience that you have where you can bring that insight to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like the therapist right. I work with the past few years was a queer anti-capitalist person herself. And so it's like, that's not the common story though. Yeah. You know, the people that can, like, why didn't I finish LADC or therapy school? Because who can do those unpaid practicums, right? And who can go right. into all that debt? And so it's rare that someone that understands these things with a story like yours, you know, and other marginalized people are going to make it to that point, you know? And so it's like, that's why the majority of those providers, it's not that they don't want to talk about how capitalism and poverty and stuff like that impact people's mental health. They just really don't fucking get it. And so you enter that room and you literally hold more knowledge than they do. And you feel condescended. Yeah. Or at least I have, No, I, I, you know, I I definitely can relate to that. And I've felt that, um, particularly like, being you know having gone through substance abuse treatment it's like you could kind of always tell when you come across someone that wasn't like a recovering addict who was like in that field and it was just like you have no context for anything that I've been through outside of a textbook and with especially with that it's like you don't want to hear that shit if you haven't like been through it yourself I mean you barely want to hear it from people that have been through it you know 10 20 years ago like that have experienced staying sober or whatever like it's like you yeah. definitely don't want to hear it from someone that's never and it's wild because it's like a lot of it i mean and it's it's like kind of justifiable you know because a lot of people will say some really sideways shit to you that haven't had personal experience i mean take what you're there you know what i mean like but it's like i don't know <laughs> yeah i i remember like i had one therapist when i was in college and she actually told me she was like oh i was like a single mom and i was poor and i was like what and it like made me feel more connected yeah. with her because I'd never had and I haven't had a therapist like that since yeah. but I was really glad for that self-disclosure because it made me feel like oh like you kind of get it in a way that other therapists I've had don't yeah. um so that was pretty fucking cool. I had a therapist once that disclosed to me that they actually uh because I told them I was really into microdosing at the time, long story, but <laughs> they disclosed to me that they also were very into just taking mushrooms and shit. And it was like, you know, when it was cool because it wasn't like, oh, let me just enable you like getting fucked up. But they were very much like, yeah, but I do it like, you know, once every like a year, twice a year kind of thing. And when shit kind of came to a head with me doing thing, other things too much, they were just like, hey you need to calm down and like weren't afraid to like call me on my bullshit and like help me stay accountable to myself and like my own recovery goals and things like that so I don't know I guess I mean you would know this better than me but I feel like it can be kind of a dicey game being super self-disclosing with clients sometimes so like I don't know (laughs) but I do think sometimes it can be useful I mean what would you say like yeah I mean like I got into like feminist therapy stuff in grad school and they like talk a lot about like how like self-disclosure can be like a humanizing experience for clients. And so I'm more on the side of self-disclosing in a way that makes sense. And, or also like if a client is working on boundaries and stuff like that, I think that's a good time for me to be like, Oh, (laughs) I'm going to go there or whatever. And like working through that discomfort of like hearing no from somebody or whatever. Yeah, working in harm reduction and HIV testing for such a long time, that's something that I also like, you know, it's like, I only will self disclose things about myself, my recovery or my HIV status, if I feel it will benefit the person in front of me, you know what I mean? So if I have somebody who's like, I've been doing meth for so long, I have no idea how to ever stop. And I'm like, hey, 
I also was in that position and I had nowhere to live and let's get you help. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. possible to live yeah. a better life. Like, yeah. or, you know, diagnosing somebody with HIV and having the positive test result and having to deliver that. And they're like, oh my God, I'm never going to find love and I might die. And I can be like, hey, I'm actually living with HIV and like, this is what life can look like. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, if it's yeah. not beneficial and I'm just like, let me talk about myself. That's when it's like, <laughs> okay, dude, like yeah. you should find a different job. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. like I do that too with like eating disorder recovery like I had an eating disorder for decades and like I'm mm-hmm. in a recovery place now and I treat people with eating disorders and a lot of them give me feedback like it's nice to hear that from you because yeah. I feel like I'm alone or whatever mm-hmm. so um yeah so we kind of talked a little background stuff um I always like to throw in stats because I have like a researchy brain and I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about it a little Glad bit. someone has a researchy brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could read research studies all day. Um, so 648 million people lived below the $2.15 per day poverty line in 2019. And so if we think about that a lot of- and then think about like mental health, like obviously like how are you supposed to like function yeah 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 it, <laughs> it's so well, and, yeah i mean having grown up in poverty and homelessness and stuff and now being in a much more stable position like why do you think it's been the past five years i've been able to do the work on myself go to therapy blah 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 and gain the stability i have it's it's because i i have i've been able to you know, survive capitalism a little bit better, right? Like when you're figuring out where you're going to sleep, what you're going to eat, how you're going to pay your rent, how you're going to feed your kids. I can't even imagine that. You know what I mean? Like, how are you supposed to be worrying about, like, let's not go back to the hierarchy of needs, which was originally stolen off of an indigenous idea, (laughs) but um, how are you supposed to worry about these other things, right? When you literally are just fighting to survive and care for your loved ones every day. Yeah, it's, and that's why it's, like, like, doing, like, trauma treatment, too. Like, if somebody's, like, like, those basic needs aren't met, like, how the fuck are you supposed to, like, work on yourself and have coping skills and all these other things when, like, you haven't eaten or you have no idea how you're going to pay rent or whatever. Yeah. Well, and another thing, too, is, like, how are you supposed to work on your coping mechanisms when they are still things that you need to protect yourself? Yeah. So working in harm reduction, you know, I would have you know, other people that work in those environments that may not have had some of the personal experience and might not get it to a certain degree. And they're like, well, this person lashes out on this, us or like, you know, whatever. And like the ways that people would react to things or their mistrust and like, we need to help them get past that. And I'm like, no, because this is the only space in their life where that isn't necessary to keep themselves safe. They're not yet in a place where they can get past that. This person still needs those guards. And so it's like, you know what I mean? When you're when you're really, really, really getting your ass kicked by the systems of capitalism and the poverty that it needs to function, that it requires to function, um, you 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 can't even it wouldn't even be safe for you to shed your quote unquote unhealthy coping mechanisms because you actively need them to keep yourself safe. Right. And so it's like when you can't be vulnerable because you're not around safe people ever. And you have to always have your guard up. How are you supposed to stop putting up walls? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it should be very telling too the fact that we, you know, especially in America, have like such a booming like wellness industry. You know, like anything that can be industrialized is just <laughs> like some straight up seeds of capitalism shit. And it speaks to the privilege that it takes to like indulge in this thing, you know, like. I mean, all of the federal and state funded programs for mental health are either completely like institutionalized and like institutionalization inducing like processes or it's like stuff that just requires like so much money. I don't know. It's just like crazy that um, I don't know. People don't recognize like how hand in hand like it is and that like 
I feel like a lot of people are really sold to this mentality of like, oh, money can't buy happiness. And it's like, yeah, but it's like it can get you contentment. It can get you food. It can get you shelter. Like no one's expecting to be happy all the time because they're financially stable. Like people just need like a place of contentment, you know? Yeah, well, and that's why, you know, luckily, like, there are a lot more things popping up that are, like, housing first and stuff like that, right? So it's, like, finally, because you know how, like, programs have to be evidence-based, right? And the way that you implement a program to get funding or anything has to be evidence-based. And so it's, like, finally, we're at a point where the things that are obvious... People have said, hmm, let's study this obvious thing. And now we have evidence or whatever. And so it's like, we can finally have housing first programs where people are given housing and they're not supposed to be expected to already have their mental or chemical health or all that, those other things situated, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> their basic need should be being put first. And so we definitely need like endlessly more than that. <laughs> that should be the bare minimum for everyone alive on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, and that brings up a good point of just, like, threads of themes that I've had with clients and with myself, just, like, these basic needs not being met, and then, like, this guilt because, like, you're asking for it or you want it to be met, and it's not, and it never has been, and then you're just, like, couch surfing forever, or you're sleeping at your mom's apartment or whatever, and you're, like, in your 30s or 40s, and it's, like, you've just been, like, (laughs) beat down your entire life and just like I I was just thinking like processing the guilt that people have for like some of these things and I'm like no like you deserve (laughs) like we all deserve those things like you shouldn't I don't want you to feel guilty absolutely and going back like you're like couch surfing and stuff like that I remember the immense guilt and shame I felt for asking people to sleep at their house to the point where sometimes I would sleep in a park instead you know and it's like thinking about the way that capitalism frames um self-care versus community care and so we feel this intense shame and guilt for asking anyone for help as though that's not how we need to survive is with each other right it's like that guilt is a product of capitalism trying to keep this system in the structure that it needs to be for the few to benefit and the you know the many to suffer if we learn that we can't pull ourselves up by these invisible bootstraps and that it's okay to ask each other for help and that community care is like literally the only way to function and to like you know outside of capitalism or even within it you know it's like yeah yeah and then even like and this is for myself too like i'm in a better financial place than i've ever been in my life and so like i actually have money to pay bills and like help my kid out with money sometimes if she needs it and she like has her own apartment and job and bills and stuff but it's nice to be in a place where i'm not like thinking to myself like oh i have to pay the electric bill before internet or whatever yeah um and then just thinking of that like even that guilt of like like I've had conversations with clients like they want to buy nail polish. They finally have money to buy nail polish nice. and they're super fucking pumped about it. But then they like feel bit bad for it. And I'm like, no, like I know it's consumerism, but that's, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about like, you've never been able to fucking buy nail polish before yeah. and like go buy it. The idea that poor people don't deserve things yeah, to feel was, nice about them. I was going to say. Or to survive. The, yeah, yeah, like, you're poor. Why do you have an iPhone? Well, because I would never have anywhere to sleep or be able to find any work or be able to function without it. But okay, go on. Yeah, yeah. I was going <laughs> right. to say, I feel like the flip side of talking about capitalism and mental health is like the ways in which people have to sort of just indulge in it for like a little modicum of like serotonin or dopamine or something you know what I mean and it's like to be so critical of people for that it's like oh you're poor you shouldn't be ordering food or like you shouldn't be like buying drugs or like whatever and it's like I know and yes I get those are two extremely different examples however I exactly and that's what I was gonna say like I think that if you look at it as like just categorizing it as broad needs of like human experience, it's like, why should anyone be denied food? But also, why should anyone be denied a reprieve from reality? Like if that's something that you need, and it goes back to what you were talking about with coping, uh, coping skills, coping mechanisms earlier is like, you know, being able to like, 
help you live in certain environments and like certain lifestyles and things like that. Like, you know, exactly. If you're using meth, so you don't have to go to sleep in the creepy guy's apartment that you're hanging out in, go, go off. You know, (laughs) if you're using opioids because you're literally physically dependent on them and you have physical pain and you have no other way to treat it, or you are just dependent on them or you have emotional pain or your life sucks and you're just like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, go ahead, do your thing. If you're drinking alcohol because you're living outside in Minnesota in the winter, let me, let me buy it for you. You know, like, I don't think that is any different than ordering DoorDash when you're sad. Yeah. I think (laughs) the extremes in which people use drugs either to funk drugs kept me alive at one point in my life. Yeah. I mean, they literally kept me alive and have kept me safe at different points in my life. And so even though now I'm in long-term recovery, I, I don't feel any shame for the drug use I partook in because I knew it was what I needed to survive and to cope at the time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I feel very similar about that with like my eating disorder. I think it can, there's definitely themes and threads of capitalism in that, but I know that kept me alive as well and kept me, it was like a weird coping skill that I had and it was the only thing I could do to get through the day at times. Yeah. <sighs> heavy <laughs> heavy shit <laughs> hashtag unstability Yeah, so more stats. Um, so there are 3,311 billionaires in the world. That's not- 3,311 people that are hoarding enough resources for everyone else to just collectively live in utopia, automate most jobs, you know what? and chill. Yeah. I- like- <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, it's wild because I, I heard a stat on how many billionaires there were not that long ago, and it was less than that. So that means <laughs> there's definitely more like coming. You know what I mean? Like a group. I don't have numbers, but the pandemic has made more billionaires yeah. and they're blaming yeah. inflation. But it's really just if you it's, look at the profits, they're deciding to double their profits and call it inflation. Yeah, it's, it's literally there's it's it's scary to think that there's not only this many billionaires, but like a growing class of billionaires. Right. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. And they still have the majority of proletarians convinced that they should be striving for that and that they worked for their money. And it's sad to me to watch people like sit and stand Elon and like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, oh my God, (laughs) you're, you're so confused. I was wondering how many, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was wondering how many episodes it was going to take us to mention Elon Musk on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did it on number two. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's like interesting too to think of like the, the working hard ethic too. Cause I remember like arguing with my stepdad who like came here from Iran and like really had to fucking work hard to get where he's at. That's true. But I also would argue that all of us have fucking worked hard regardless of where we are at. Like, and he would just get so blown away by like my perspective of like, you know, the servers at the Applebee's he managed were working fucking hard too. (laughs) Like he wasn't the only one fucking working hard. Um, So it's pretty fucked up how people think working hard equals wealth or more money or whatever because especially since like i'll high key say the hardest work i've ever done was at my lowest paying jobs and the least that's been expected of me has been at my highest paying jobs and the better (laughs) you're treated at your higher paying jobs and if you're owning something (laughs) you know it's it, it it yeah it's it's okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like i i guess you know rich landlords work really hard. <laughs> work, i can't say it with a straight face they work really hard don't they <laughs> they're the hardest workers ever yeah. 
mm-hmm. in the history of humanity. Their arms are yeah, so... it's really hard extracting wealth from other people their... and just sitting there. Their arms are so ripped yeah. from carrying the whole workforce. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say from carrying your hard-earned money to <laughs> <Yeah>. the bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, at my office in Providence that I don't have anymore, but my office mate would come to the office and the landlord of the office building would just be sitting in the hall like on one of our chairs just like sitting there i'd be like do you do you need a session do you need help (laughs) (laughs) it's like he's like making like thousands of dollars just to sit on his ass just to sit there oh my god But we could go off about landlords. But well, we and, and and that's when you get the kind of people who stand billionaires that would be like, you're just jealous. If you, you know, if you were smart, you'd buy. No, I would never do that. Yeah. I would never be a landlord. <laughs> it is ethically against everything I stand for. Literally. Yes. I've had to explain this to so many boomer yes. generation people. Like, it's so upsetting. <laughs> I just can't realistically, like, I don't know. If I ever had a property in my name for whatever fucking reason, it would just have to be communal living where there was no profit being generated because it just feels so fucking yes. disgusting. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Like, I have the credit right now where if I wanted to, I could go buy a duplex and make the other person pay the whole mortgage and just live for... No! I would literally (laughs) never do that. (laughs) Yep. Same. Same. And there's so many... And I know we can go into this more, but like I've met plenty of people on the left that do that. And then I'm the asshole for pointing out how fucked up it is, but they're just collecting money. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of LARPers out there. Yeah. (laughs) Call that what it is. Um, Maybe their mental health is suffering to get back on topic. Maybe (laughs) it eats them up at night while their bank is cashing all those deposits. Yeah. Yeah. This is how they're using ethically. This is how they're using capital to cope. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's the same as like treating yourself to a nice meal, right? Yeah. Like exploiting your uh, you're like, comrades. They're like, well, if homeless people can drink, why can't I charge rent to my friends? <laughs> why can't I be a literal feudal lord? <laughs> it's just a coping skill. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's good. Um,. I was also just looking at um, like research studies on capitalism and how it's impacting our mental health. And we'll put those like in the notes of the um, episode so people can see it. But it was funny because like Engels and Marx was um, mentioned, obviously. (laughs) And they had developed like an epidemiological study and they looked at physical health and mental health. And they're like, oh, weird. Like, (laughs) illness, premature death of workers, like isolation, loneliness. So this has been talked about (laughs) for a very, very long time. (laughs) And it's only getting worse. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, And I think one thing that I realized, like as a human and as a therapist was like, with BLM in 2020, like, all of a sudden people are talking about like capitalism and class and race and stuff and mental health. Like it became like trendy within the field to do it. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> well, because <laughs> when things become trendy like that, that's when you get, you know, people engaging in ways that aren't actually helpful and are harmful. Yeah. Right. And that's when movements get watered down and ideas get watered down. Like how did we go from like all abolition of p- prisons and police to let's slightly defund them and not actually do it yeah. you know what i mean and like, like oh, yeah. we just need more reform like i yo i <laughs> i felt the conversations during this way but yeah um just let me just say blatantly like fuck neoliberalism like so hard and i yes. want to take a hard stance on that because i i listen to a lot of podcasts a lot of them are pretty mainstream yes. but it's like the way in which neoliberalism 
neoliberalism dances around like the consequences of capitalism is just fucking astounding to me like there should it should be yeah. an olympic sport you know like it yeah. it's crazy like it's just like the linguistic gymnastics of it i'm just like just say the fucking thing like and well and those podcasts will undoubtedly have more listeners than us just because yeah, yeah, yeah. we will piss more people off <laughs> more people will be like but i'm a landlord ah! I'm not listening to this. You know what I mean? I swear I'm an anarchist. I swear. (laughs) Resist or whatever, you know? I have a lot of sign with 50 different fonts that says things. (laughs) Yeah, I just like, oh my God. Uh, yeah i just it it baffles me you know it's it's just wild that you can talk about every symptom of a disease without saying the name of the fucking disease and it's just like there and and it's just like so i feel like everyone's goal is just to figure out like well how can we make this work like how can we live within this how can we stretch this out longer and it's like how about we just recognize that we fucked up and we stop committing to the fuck up and like start seeing it for what it is you know because it's like there's only it's because people are people are scared though like any transition from capitalism isn't going to be a walk in the park and so it's actually terrifying for most people to consider what they would have to lose and give up yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. absolutely i mean i yeah yeah. so they'd rather do these mental gymnastics yeah, yeah, yeah. but like you're talking about studies what was that one in the uk that recently came out where they tried a four-day work week oh and it wasn't oh. four tens it wasn't four tens because that's what i kept seeing comments was it four tens was it four tens no it was four eight-hour days yeah. and they didn't get their pay docked they still had the same like salary or whatever and not only did it improve worker mental health and everything across the board, it improved improved productivity and yes. profits yeah. for all of the companies. Most- and almost all of the companies decided to stick with it. Some of them were like, nope, we want you under our thumb. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's one of those things I was talking about, you know, when they do studies on things that we know are obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it takes them going, hmm, let's study this. And now it's evidence-based. And it's like, okay, yeah, now we can point to this study and say like, people are, happier and more productive and even make you richer when we work (laughs) less but that's still not going to become the norm especially here because what they have to keep us exhausted they have to keep us busy because what happened in 2020 in my city in minneapolis that spread across the globe when a lot of people weren't working when people weren't busy and people were getting unemployment money and stuff like that and they murdered george floyd and people had the time and the energy to actually fuck shit up and do something about yeah. it yep. and they are so scared of that ever happening again we will never get shut down for pandemic shit ever again we will yep. never get a shorter work week you know what i mean yeah. it, it's just basic obvious reasons we'll never get the extra unemployment no that. <laughs> no they would never do that again because the consequences that they faced as they saw wow community comes together community cares for themselves and each other Right. And like they will fight against us. Yeah. Yep. Like was gonna... the police station got burned down. <laughs> it's still yeah. sitting there empty <laughs> with a fence around it. And I love my community because folks be putting some funny ass signs on the fence. My favorite was the spirit Halloween coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my That's God. Amazing. Shout out whoever did that one. That one was like comedic gold. Yeah. I was going to say earlier, um, I feel very strongly that a big kind of byproduct of capitalism is the necessity of this like cult of individuality, right? Because they need us all to be separated for the system to maintain itself and keep working, but also for to have an excuse to produce more things because everybody needs one of fucking everything, you know? And if there's a person that exists that they can sell it to, then like they got to make it, we got to have it like that kind of shit, you know? Like, why? Yeah, everybody needs their own lawnmower instead of just having community tools that you check out. Yeah. Right? Like, like that has always baffled me. Everybody needs a circular saw. Everybody needs a lawnmower. Everyone, every, like, what? Everyone needs a car. Everyone needs, like, <laughs> like a ridiculous I'm just like, every plan. neighborhood could have one or two of these things. Yeah, like, seriously. <laughs> it's crazy. And a simple sign-up sheet so we're not all checking it out at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. There are tool libraries in my city. Yep. There <laughs> are tool libraries. 
libraries. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can use yeah. those. If you don't yeah. know about it, check it out. It's cool. You pay a small amount to keep things functioning, right? Mm. And you yeah. can just check out the tools you need instead of having to own it, your own individual one and find somewhere to store it. <laughs> Yep. And I actually, um, Providence started one right before I moved and I won some contest. I think I donated to like some bail fund and they entered me into a contest and I won a membership to PVD tool sharing. So I still have it. Shout so out. if anybody listening wants it, Sick. let me know. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> I don't live there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's like a toward the I guess we could go into more about like what can we do um, yeah because like do? yeah my thing is just destroying it all but I know that's not super realistic <laughs> right now <laughs> so I think like the tool sharing thing I think is an alternative to try well yeah and like for me it's like you know what can we do in the meantime and while destroying it all and after destroying it all, you know, and that's like actually yeah. build community. I'm really sick and tired of the idea that you automatically belong to a community. I always see the queer community be mentioned and I'm like, I'm yeah. not in community with these random asshats on Twitter. <laughs> I'm literally not. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. you. We're not in a community just because we're both trans. Yeah. Like that's I, really absurd to me. I'm in community with people that I build community with. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like, we need to all be taking whatever efforts we can to build communities in whatever way we can and to show up for each other and be in, you know what I mean? And care with people and like, right. let people depend on you and depend on other people because whether we're tearing shit down or trying to survive this fucking nightmare. Yeah. Like we need each other. Yeah. For real. Yeah. I think, um, I, I do think for some people it can feel very overwhelming trying to figure out where to start with that kind of stuff, you know, especially if you're like Absolutely. new to an area or like yep. younger or whatever, and just not plugged in. It's like, where do you start? Um, you know, I do think, um, for one, I would say what I've really enjoyed doing is starting my own initiatives, um, and sort of like so but also I'm like just I network a lot <laughs> like I just am constantly meeting people and things like that so like for me that might be like more geared towards my skill set you know what I mean but yeah not everyone can just start an initiative because yeah. they won't have people to join but it. yeah but I, you know. I would say for people that are you know if you're a cult leader <laughs> no, I, I would say I would say for people that are unsure i think if there's something you're really passionate about you know just do some research check DuckDuckGo, check google like that kind of thing look for things local to you um or for like volunteer orgs and stuff because typically people that are aligned with that sort of work tend to be more in the know about things and just talk to people you know like obviously well and my thing my personal advice how I got involved in a lot of the like more underground like community networks and stuff that I'm involved in that I really, really truly feel in community in is I joined other groups, even if I didn't necessarily 100% feel on board with it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. you know, join the local chapter of whatever communist org or whatever leftist gun club or whatever. Right. Yep. Take it with a grain of salt, feel it out, pay attention, yeah. see if it aligns with your values. If it doesn't, you're going to meet some cool people there that are on your same page. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you're going to find out those cool people are a part of these other things that do align more with your values and they're going to invite you in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'll be able to network that way. That's a good way to network. Find places on Instagram. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like get involved in, you know, firearms if you want in leftist settings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get involved in, like you said, volunteer work, do some mutual aid. Yeah. Like yep. look for your city and encampment outreach or something and like see what you can get plugged in with and then find the people you connect with and, see how you can you know what i mean yeah. like that's that's how to really truly build community yeah. is showing up community organizing involves so much more than just going to protests you know like there's so yes. much more people can do and i think that's kind of where people get like laser focused and that's good like we need people at protests too but also like there's so much day-to-day -day stuff that just needs like well and you need people to organize those protests exactly. and you need people to feel out where they're going to be needed and when and like you can be that person you can, you yeah. can literally be that person. And it's like, I think people still get social anxiety. And I think that's yeah. a lot of what holds people back, which is like fair or whatever. But just remember, like, 
what it really comes down to is we need each other. And in spaces like that, like hopefully people aren't being like judgmental and clicky. And yeah, if they yeah. are, then find somewhere else yeah. because that yeah. they're clearly not focused on the right thing. Exactly. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like as a therapist too, and if you're a therapist listening, like be aware that fucking class like impacts mental health and capitalism does. And if you are unsure of what that is, then there's lots of resources out there to check out and read. You could even read the Wikipedia about what capitalism is <laughs> yeah. just to have a starting point. I also- read um, Sweden Revolution by Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we have lots of, we'll have like links in the uh, podcast notes too, because if you're like a therapist doing like work and you keep trying to go back to somatic therapy and like get people to feel how they feel in their body but they're like constantly fucking unsafe then they're not going to be able to feel safe in their body ever and like Mm. be aware of that please because the amount of like other therapists and clients that have seen prior therapists are telling me that nobody understands that shit is pretty fucking frustrating (sighs) and i've i don't think i've ever had a therapist again that's really acknowledged except the one that i talked about earlier that Mm -hmm. like oh, you're, like, on food stamps and Medicaid and you're raising a kid by yourself, that's a fucking lot. Like, I don't think one therapist has really said that to me, which is really fucked up. Right? I've had one therapist as an adult who hasn't outwardly made me feel fucking guilt and shame and, like, not got, what you know what I mean? Or, like, focused on the wrong parts of my identity and, like, tried to make it my problem or something, like. Yeah. And, like... I think just, like, I this is going to be a last thing, but, like, I found an article that Gar- The Guardian did in 2018 about, like, how to be more anti-capitalist, and I was, I'll put it in the notes, but I was, like, reading it, and I was like, oh my god, like, poor people and, like, punks and whoever have been saying this shit for fucking decades. Thank you, Guardian. <laughs> god. But they they aren't gonna say that. So I uh I know we're wrapping up soon, but I did want to say um just as a more one last solution oriented thing for anyone listening who's you know struggling with mental health um, under capitalism right now and maybe doesn't have the best access to care or any access to care or anything, and you're just trying to figure out some strategies for day to day shit. Um, real shit just be be kind to yourself you know i know that sounds corny but just literally take it moment by moment if you have to like because you know i hard relate like i have been there i am there in some ways i fortunately have care right now which is great but like you know like shit's a struggle and some days it's like checking your bank account like multiple times a day just to make sure that each and every transaction you do isn't about to put you in the red and you know a lot of strategizing about when you're going to pay bills and all this stuff and like needing to apply for job like do things in chunks take your time give yourself days off if you need to like you can structure your life however you want and need to like and i think that's a thing that people don't say enough is like ultimately like you can participate yes we're all forced to participate in this but there are moments where you are allowed to just check out (laughs) a little bit if you need to if that's you know a possibility for you sometimes it's it's overwhelming but for real like as best as you can give yourself time and space because i mean sometimes well and it's okay to ask for help there's nothing wrong with asking for money online yes there's nothing wrong with telling people online that you need money don't let anyone shame or guilt you out of asking for money on the internet if you need money don't feel bad asking for people in your life that are in your community or your family or your friend group or whatever that you need to sleep somewhere or you need help or you need to talk to someone like there's no shame in asking for help yeah and if somebody makes you feel you know guilty for that then you know maybe they're not the right person you know but like everybody deserves to feel safe and everybody deserves to have people that are you know safe to ask for help yeah there's yeah and like oh go ahead And also, like, apply for Medicaid, apply for food stamps, like, the amount of adults, like, single adults I've met in my life who don't apply for those things, like, I get the reasons why, but, like, please do it, fuck the state, fuck capitalism, just get on that shit, you don't have to pay for it, Medicaid is fucking awesome to get your healthcare totally paid for, Um, 
and like who gives a shit like it's there yeah. you need Fuck it any of the and stigma if it's for a month, just do it <laughs> Like, yeah. don't let anybody stigmatize you. And if you're stigmatizing people, fuck off. <laughs> like, yep. everyone needs what they need, um, for sure. Yeah, healthcare should be free anyway. Yeah. So. Also, you know, there are a number of great hotlines and warm lines. I guess we can try to drop some yeah. in the um, show notes for you. Um, yeah. If you're struggling, you know, or not, like if you yep. just need to talk to someone, like there's so much great resources out there, so. Or if you're doing Gucci right now, check on your people, check on your people, you know, like if you think of somebody that you're like, Hey, I know that person wasn't doing so hot, literally just call people, shoot them a text. Hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to support you? You know, or like anything or like, Hey, do you want to hang out? You know, it's simple. Just check on your people. Remember that we all literally need each other. And it is the job of the ruling class to try to keep us divided. And in this independent individualistic mindset, do not fall for it. Take care of each other. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I have like a huge list of free resources related to mental health and I can like put that listed somewhere within our stuff. So um, there's free groups, there's free, like how was talking about like hotlines and stuff like that. There's tons of stuff like that too. So pass it around to people. It all is there for any of us. So <sighs> right on (laughs) well any other last thoughts um (laughs) fuck capitalism burn it all (laughs) fuck fuck capitalism and legally Um, legally she didn't mean burn it all in any literal physical sense it's just uh (laughs) don't burn anything because Elle said that don't do illegal things we just meant, you know, like, we don't like capitalism. I said what I That's said. What <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to end up in car. This is, this is a satire. Um, cool. I, this, was, this is sarcasm. This was so great. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Heather, for doing so much research for this episode um, and leading yeah. us in this discussion. This was fucking awesome. Um yeah, I guess do y'all wanna call it? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well Thanks everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We will undoubtedly have much more to say about <laughs> this topic at some point in the future. Yes. Every episode we'll just say fuck capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Burn it. That's the mantra. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>